in the front, you get to hear a whole lot better. You get to hear people that are behind you that are singing out. And, um, and uh, I'm not going to force We can't have everybody sitting in the front, obviously. But I would let you know that uh, it's a wonderful thing. I can remember a couple weeks ago, the opening song, and just uh, hearing you guys singing out, and even today, the blessing that that is. We're going to be talking about a passage today that um, is really a bit different, especially from what we covered last time in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, As I examine this text, it seems so, so different. Last time, we covered the golden rule, which is... Uh, very well known among people outside of the church. It's very well received. It works, right? Pragmatically, it just works, the golden rule. We should have everybody doing that. And I think at this point, as Jesus Christ is teaching and as he has the 12 disciples there that he's teaching, but then also the multitude that is hearing it, boy, they are really excited. And then Jesus comes to the two verses that we're going to cover today. It almost feels like he is working with these couple verses today to almost get the crowd to leave. I can almost imagine some of the disciples saying, oh, Jesus, we kind of had our group. We kind of had this big following. You're blowing it, Jesus, is maybe what some of them may have thought when Christ gives a difficult message, which is what we're going to talk about today. I'd like to stop and pray one more time if you would bow with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, what we are not, please make us. What we know not, please teach us. We praise you for the wonderful teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. We would ask for that now. We thank you for your word. Thank you for the teachings of your son, Jesus Christ. I'd ask that you'd help me not to get in the way, but hide me behind the cross of Jesus Christ. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Oftentimes when I pray with individuals in our church about something, maybe a medical need or um, something with an illness that's come up, I will oftentimes thank God for the grace of the day that we live in, the wonderful grace of medicine. God has allowed us to live in a day where the medicine um, and technology has advanced so wonderfully, and you really should be thankful for this. Growing up, I was thankful that I was an individual as a, as a child that never had to taste something that I was only told about called castor oil. How many of you have had to take castor oil as some kind of a, okay, now look at the color of the hair of everybody raising their hands. It's all, it's all gray and white. I'm heading there soon. When I was a kid, I didn't enjoy taking medicine. I didn't enjoy getting my, you know, uh, having, my, having a temperature and going through that. There are some tricks, though, that some parents have. Maybe you, as a mom or a dad or someone who cared for a young person, maybe you had some kind of a trick that you used to get your child to take that medicine. Most people don't enjoy the medicine, but there is no doubt that a spoonful of sugar can make that medicine a little bit easier to go down. I'm going to make that reference a number of times through the message today, sugar-coated, something that has been sugar-coated. Now, when we think of medicine, of course, there's a positive result that is going to come from that. But I want to suggest today that the devil desires to have men and women, as many as possible, buy into what he wants 
And he is going to make it taste as good as possible. He is going to make it something that's appealing, something that people would look at and say, I want to have that. I want to just let you know that what we're talking about today, it's, it's a bit somber. It's a serious topic. And when we look at the battle that rages between God and Satan, where Jesus goes to in the Sermon on the Mount, this is, this is jugular to that. Jesus Christ has been teaching. He's given us the most wonderful sermon ever preached. But now he comes to an area and he says something very difficult. But he exposes the devil's lies. And the devil wants very much so to lead as many people to hell. In the life that you live, I hope you have not forgotten that the devil wants as many people to spend eternity in hell as possible. That is his goal. If you are saved, then he cannot have your soul, but he wants to make you ineffective. Maybe he wants to make you forget that there is a hell and that people that you interact with likely every day are possibly heading there. But... Our enemy never tells us that hell is the destination. He never leads with that. That's not on the brochure, right? The devil is very, very sneaky. Also, the devil along the way never tells a person that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior that they will never find something that genuinely helps them and satisfies in their life with the troubles and the problems that they face. They will never find real joy and purpose. They will find something that is a substitute, but they will never find something that will last. But the devil throws so many options out there. Just keep throwing them things to keep them busy as long as they don't turn to God. I want to point out one word that is not in our text. It's actually what we'll be covering next time, and it's the word beware. In verse 15 of Matthew 7, Jesus uses the word beware of false teachers. He uses that word right on the heels of what we are talking about today. Because there's a false teacher who is going to sugarcoat the gate that he wants you to go in. There is a false teacher that's going to sugarcoat the road that he wants you to go down. And he's going to completely hide the destination. What we'll see in God's word today is that every man and woman is going to live forever somewhere. And Jesus, when he comes to the close of the Sermon on the Mount, he tells them there are only two options. There are only two places where every human being ever born will spend eternity. It is either eternal joy in heaven or it's eternal punishment in hell. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Christ said this, and so we know that it is something that we need to not ignore. All that to bring us to our text, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, just covering two verses today um, in in the Bible. And these are very well known verses. And yet, I don't think there is a, a ton of great teaching out there about this. You can be the judge as we examine this and break it into uh, three different sections today. Matthew chapter 7, and I want to ask you to see if you can remember, I'm not sure how many weeks ago it was, how this chapter started out. This chapter started out with the topic of judging. 
Judging. We spent three messages on judging. Judging others. Judging yourself. And at this point in the sermon, Jesus is going to give two illustrations, two pictures, if you will, of how we can judge ourselves and how we can judge others. And I've already mentioned this is kind of a somber uh, message today. And let me just remind us, with Jesus Christ, when he's coming to the close of the Sermon on the Mount, he's not being strategic to build them up to some spontaneous applause here. That's not his goal. Jesus is not trying to get people to tweet and to retweet the great quotes that he said. That's not what he was going for. Instead, he ends the Sermon on the Mount by calling people to a choice. And I want to be careful. I'm not sure exactly how to portray this because when we use the word invitation, it might give the wrong idea. Oftentimes in church, oftentimes as a pastor, I will give an invitation for someone if you've never decided to follow Jesus. There'll be an invitation to follow Jesus. I don't see Jesus giving an invitation here. Jesus gives a choice that every person must make. Let's read verses 13 and 14 of Matthew 7. It says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter in by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. And so we're going to look at the three things that are mentioned here. Number one that we're looking at is the gate. The gate. Jesus commands that men and women strive, it's an athletic term, strive to enter into this gate. That's the, that's the choice that he gives. You've got a wide gate, you've got a narrow gate. And Jesus gives a command that we strive to go in through this narrow gate. Before Jesus goes to the cross, later on in the Gospel of Matthew, we find him coming to Jerusalem, and we find some, a, 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 a scenario that happens in the life of Christ when he's going to Jerusalem that I think is helpful for us when we approach this difficult topic. Because as Jesus Christ approaches Jerusalem, it says in verse 37 of Matthew 23, O Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Jesus Christ weeps at one point when he approaches Jerusalem. And it says there, he would have gathered them together, but they were not willing. That city Jerusalem would go on and not, not, not too far in the future, to become the city where the religious leaders and the crowd would coerce the Romans into crucifying the Son of God. These religious leaders, this crowd as a whole, they were not willing to accept Jesus as their Messiah. And yet Jesus said, I would that you would come to me, but you were not willing. The invitation that Jesus gives is beautiful. We see it in the Old Testament in Isaiah 45 where verse 22 says, Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth. 
For I am God and there is no other. This should be our mindset when we approach these two gates. It was Jesus' pattern to call for a choice. And can you remember who had the best information on this? Can you remember those 12 that were with Jesus? They got to see him do the miracles. They got to hear him teach. They got to get the private lessons, the explanation of the parables quite often. And Jesus Christ has these 12 that he had selected. And when we talk about a choice, we need to understand that even one of those 12 chose not to follow Jesus Christ. So Jesus calls us to a choice. And that's where we approach this idea here. When verse 13 begins, it says, enter by the narrow gate. It's not an invitation. Instead, it's a command. And I hope that you have obeyed that command to enter the narrow gate. This entering is not going to happen apart from a decision that is made by every man and every woman. So if you've not made this decision to go in the narrow gate, then you are making a decision to go in the other gate, the wide gate. Let me say this about the invitation that Jesus gives to follow him. The world is filled with people who love the teaching of Jesus Christ. Are you, are you aware of that? The golden rule we've spent some time on. The world loves the teaching of this man. The world is filled with some people who love the dedication of Jesus Christ to Judaism. There are even several people in this world who admire that Jesus died for what he believed in. And there are even some who cannot refute the fact that Jesus somehow rose from the dead. The world is filled with people who love his teaching, his ethics, and his dedication. And we need to not forget that hell is going to be filled with people who admired Jesus' teaching, who loved his life, but, listen, did not enter through this narrow gate. Everyone, Jesus says, must go through this gate by themselves. The gospel itself is a command. Repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we come to this gate, understand it in our modern day thinking of like a turnstile. Everybody goes one at a time. Okay? Just because your family is filled with Christians, that does not mean that you're going to get into heaven. Imagine it like a turnstile. You go through one person at a time. Just because you're, you're part of a church or you attend a church, where many people are going to heaven, does not mean you get in. Everyone has to go through this narrow gate on their own. This is the most personal decision that any person will ever make. We use the expression, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? That's the narrow gate. Next, he talks about the road, right? A road. Jesus describes the challenging journey after a person chooses to follow him. And that doesn't quite seem fair, does it? Okay, I went through the narrow gate. Now we have the road. It seems like that should be, you know, an easy thing. 
But yet Christ says in Matthew 7 that it is not an easy thing. This road, after entering through the narrow gate, is a difficult road. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus tells his disciples that if they're going to follow him, each will need to deny himself and take up his cross and follow Jesus. There's difficulty. But I want to encourage you that if you have decided to go through that gate, you have exactly what you need. You have exactly what you need on that difficult road. God does not spare us from the troubles. He does not keep us from the valleys and the difficulties, but he gives us what we need. And my experience is is that many people who have gone through very difficult times, oftentimes it's after that that something very sweet is going to happen. God is preparing them like refining gold. He is preparing them for something. I couldn't help but think, but when my wife was um, in the hospital giving uh, birth to our to our first, my son. And as we were there, the doctor would come in, and of course, as a nervous dad, you're always wanting the doctor to be there more, right? I want you to be here more. And they seem to be doing, I'm not sure what they're doing when they leave the room, but they seem to be gone an awful lot. The doctor came in to check one time, and I was so glad when the doctor came to check. And uh, then she went and prepared to leave. And I was like, why can't you just hang out with here? You know, we can get some snacks if you want, but just hang out in the room here with us. And here's what the doctor said that I have not forgotten. She said, well, when I came in the room, your wife was still smiling. Tina, you were still smiling when I came in the room. I will know when I come in the room and you're not able to give me a courtesy smile, that's when I know that we are ready to have something happen in here. And I can't help but wonder that on this difficult road that we go through, if God doesn't allow us to go through those times where we can't even muster a courtesy smile on our face. You can't even respond with a courtesy when someone asks you, how are you doing? You can't even say, fine. Because the road is difficult once we go through this gate. And so this flies in the face of what is called a prosperity gospel. If you're familiar with this teaching that some people will say, if you just choose to follow Jesus Christ, then your problems go away and you you have more money and your health problems go away, that is a prosperity gospel. And that is found nowhere in the scriptures. In fact, it's the opposite of what Jesus says here in Matthew 7. In contrast to the narrow road is the wide road. Jesus mentions that road. Jesus Christ, this should wake some of you up, says many are on that road to destruction, to hell. And when we look at that wide road, we need to understand that road is wide enough for people to bring all of their luggage, bring anything you want with you on this road. The narrow gate is tough. It's like a turnstile. You go through one at a time. You can't bring a lot with you. But this wide road When we look at that, the devil, who is sugarcoating that road, he says, bring it with you. Whatever you got, bring it. Maybe you have studied what it is to be a good moral person. Maybe you have a handle on the best philosophies in the world. Bring it with you. That's going to help you to reach your destination on this wide road. There's a a lot of good things that you can bring along with you. That's apart from the grace of Jesus Christ I'm speaking of. 
But then also when we think of the wide road, hey man, it's party time, right? Come on the road. Try to be a good person and all that, but you don't have to have those hang-ups that some of those, you know, Bible thumpers have. Bring it with you. God is open. It's all good. Those things that people are choosing to miss out on, you don't need to worry about that. And so the good philosophies of man, bring it. Your sin, your baggage, bring it. Bring everything on this road and no one is going to think anything worse of you. When I say that this is a difficult road that people go down once they go through the narrow gate, I'm talking about believers going through that narrow gate and God gives us what we need. But is it also true that unbelievers have problems? Of course they do. I mean, just talk to them for a little while. They have health problems. They have um, all kinds of similar problems that we might have. And they're going to have ways to cope with their problems. If I were to get some group participation and ask you to raise your hand and tell me what's one way that people who aren't Christians cope with their problems, very quickly you could give me some answers, right? Some people find their answers in a bottle. Just keep going and looking for the bottom of that bottle and that's going to take care of their problems. Some people look for uh, joy and happiness in this world through some kind of sin. And is sin fun, yes or no? Yes, it is for a season, the Bible teaches us. So it does not satisfy. But in contrast, the child of God is given exactly what is needed to go through the valley. This difficult road Jesus speaks of. We are given the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ after he does his wonderful work on the cross, is going to ascend up into the clouds and he keeps telling them something better is going to come. And that something better is the Holy Spirit who resides within every believer. That is going to help us go through the dark times. God has given us the written word of God. Do you know how blessed you are to have the written word of God? It's one of those things that we so quickly forget about We take it for granted because we have the Bible and so many Bibles and so many opportunities. But God has given his children the word of God, which you're going to need. By the way, do not wait until that valley comes before you jump into the word of God. Be preparing yourself ahead of time for that. Let it roll off of your tongue. Let it be in your heart and you will hold fast to God's perfect word. God has also given us prayer, a direct communication with God. He's also given his children a community of believers. And I fear, I fear for the Christians who try to go through without some kind of a community of believers to help them on that. God has given you what you need in the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, prayer, and a church. And of, of course, this is all leading up to the destination. We're going to the destination here. Now, I said before that the devil sugarcoats it. He doesn't let you know you're going to hell. He makes his gate look good. He makes his road look good. But he never says hell's pretty good. I did hear um, a, a, a commercial on TV the other night, an ad. Um, I'll get specific. It was Ron Reagan Jr., and he was um, giving an ad for, um, it was an anti-church group is what it was. Freedom from religion was the group. And he said tongue-in-cheek, 
I am a devout atheist, uh, willing to, or not afraid to burn in hell, is what he said. My wife and I saw that. He doesn't understand. He is fooled into thinking that what he has, the best thing there is, is what's here in this world. And he's trying to convince others that there is no such thing as hell. Destination. All people at their core are seeking after, and I want to be careful here, all people at their core are seeking after heaven or at least some form of heaven here on earth. You know, all the peace you can get, all the love you can get. Do the best that you can. And all religions are going to fit into one of two categories. Many of them say you can be good enough, work hard, do good works, treat others as you'd have them treat you. Many of them will be based on works that you can be good enough except for Christianity. Christianity tells every one of us this. You cannot be good enough to be accepted into heaven. That's what the Bible teaches. Many people, millions of people working as hard as they can and it looks good a lot of times but you cannot be good enough. So if you are one of the ones who is um, of the I can do it myself side, it doesn't matter what religion you pick. There really are only two religions, the one that follows Jesus Christ, saved by grace alone, by putting your faith in the work of Jesus Christ, and there's everything else. And they might have some variety of how they look, but it really does not matter which one you select. We should understand that there is no faith system that is promoting hell. No religion says, join us and you'll go to hell. Nobody says that, all right? They all say some form of heaven, or at least the best that this life has to offer. All right, what can we do with this message? What can we do with these words of Jesus Christ? I'm going I'm to go in backwards order with the applications of what you can do. Number one, be strengthened by the absolute promise of eternal life in Jesus. This is uh, very often something that we are encouraged by when we sing. Oftentimes we'll come to the last verse of the song and it's about heaven. And we need to be strengthened by that promise of heaven. It is real. And if you went through the narrow gate and you're on the narrow road, it's difficult. And if you're like me, you're looking forward to a day where you don't struggle with temptation anymore. You're looking forward to a day where you don't get, you know, side-blinded by something. And this is not the way it's supposed to be. You look forward to heaven. I have the opportunity at least a couple times a year to preach in the county jail. And um, at the county jail, they have on Friday nights their church service. And oftentimes they'll have pastors come in and preach. They spend the first part of that singing and they've got some popular songs that are on a, a DVD that you'll watch and you'll sing out. And they're usually songs that are, are well known. But there's a variety of songs except for one. The closing song, every time that I have preached at the county jail, is the song I can only imagine. And these guys who are behind bars, who can't wait to get out of jail, and most of them are there for a short time, they can't wait to get out of jail. You should hear these guys sing this. You think they want Jesus to come back that day? You got that right. 
I can only imagine is that song about heaven and how we, we respond when we see Jesus and they sing it out. And you and I can hold on to this promise of eternal life. Praise God that when we die here in this world, that is not the end as some would have you believe. The devil gives that message out. And he would say, so live the life to your best, your best life now, some would even say. Your best life, if you know Jesus Christ, is yet to come. Next, don't be naive to the difficulties that will be faced along the journey. We talked about this, but I just want to prepare you. There are going to be difficulties that will come your way if you are on that narrow road. And you might say it's not fair. It was not fair that Jesus Christ had to leave perfection in heaven and come down to this earth and die a death for which he did nothing to deserve. That was not fair. And yet Jesus did that because he loves you. And so what he asks us is to go through our time in this world and understand that difficulties are going to come, but then he says, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer, Jesus said. He has overcome the world. And he does not promise to deliver us from the trials and from the temptations and from the struggles, but he promises to be with us when we go through them. And that makes all the difference in the world. So do not be naive. Also, this is going to play into the last one a little bit, but do not try to sell your faith as a faith where all your problems go away if you just come to Jesus because just the opposite is true. Some people do that. They think, well, I'll try this church thing out. And maybe they you know, will make a decision of some sort. And then they find out when they became part of a church or even when they accepted Christ that their problems did not go away. Oftentimes their life might get harder in many ways. And so they need to grow in their walk with Christ and know that they're not alone. And then last, and I've got three applications here working backwards. First of all, understand clearly the call to enter the narrow gate. When I am sharing the gospel with people, I will walk through that we're all sinners. Because of that sin, there's a punishment, separation from God forever. And I'll talk about Jesus Christ, how he came to die on the cross for our sins. And then oftentimes I will say something like, well, just because Jesus died on the cross for the sins of mankind doesn't mean everybody gets in. And so, Calvary family, I would challenge you right now to think of someone if you're, that might not be getting in. You're not sure if they're on their way to heaven. You're not sure if they're a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe write their name down on your bulletin right now. Pray for them. Ask for God to open a door. But then even for yourself, maybe you've gone to church your whole life. Maybe you're a very religious person. Maybe you're a great, wonderful, good works person. But you've never made the decision. A decision has to be made by each man and each woman to go through that narrow gate. And if you do not make that decision, then you're going to go through the wide gate that leads to destruction. Next, be certain that you have passed through that narrow gate to heaven. And that's, we talked about that already. Understand the narrow gate. Be certain that you have passed through that narrow gate. And then finally, invite others to come along with you through this gate. What do you think you were left here for? 
Ultimately, ultimately, it's to glorify God. We need to glorify God with our lives, with who we are, the decisions that we make. But God has given the great commission, the job of giving the gospel out to no other being, no other source except for men and women that have accepted Jesus Christ. And so if that makes you feel uncomfortable, you need to get over that discomfort. You need to understand that life is coming to an end for everybody. It is a one-to-one ratio so far. Everybody is going to die. And if you know someone and you don't know if they're a follower of Christ, you don't know if they've gone through that narrow gate, you are not loving them if you do not share with them that there is a way where they could have eternal life with God. And so get some courage, family. Get some gumption. Pray for it. Take some of the resources that we have. We have gospel tracts that explain how to get to heaven very clearly. We have uh, some DVDs you can take with you. It's a Billy Graham DVD that explains about heaven. I gave one out this past week. I said, have you heard of Billy Graham? And the gentleman said, oh, yes, very much so. I said, take one of these. I've got another fellow that's on his deathbed, basically. And I gave one to him a few months ago. And I've prayed that that message has gotten through. We have another resource called uh, Seven Wonders. And there are seven questions is what they are. Seven questions that people will ask in life. And it's my opinion that everybody will get to the point where they're asking the question, is there life after death? Is there purpose in life? Everybody comes to those times and you can give them that resource. But the biggest thing that you can do is you can be a light. You can choose to live your life in a way where you are a light. And when they're having those difficult times, when they're going through that, perhaps they saw you go through a valley and it did not cause you to curse God. Perhaps they saw you respond in a way that nobody else does in the workplace or in the neighborhood. We are to be lights in this world. So invite others to come along with you through this gate. Don't be afraid of it. I'm not saying lead with the difficult road. But what we have is so wonderful and so beautiful. And if God loved you so much that he offers this gift of salvation to you, can you not do the same? Can you not give a portion of your life or maybe all of your life to telling others about what God has given? Jesus Christ comes to the end of the Sermon on the Mount and so far he's knocked it out of the park. Incredible teaching, awesome stuff. I think those disciples thought they were going to have an army with them that were going to take over and take Jerusalem back, take Israel back from the Romans. They had something in mind. And yet we understand that what Jesus did was he was very honest with them. And he says, everyone must choose. Choose the narrow gate. And if you've, if you've experienced that love before, invite someone to come along with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look to you, we know that you give us everything that we need here in this present world. And I am at the top of the list of people who would love to be in your presence today. 
The Bible tells us that when this physical body dies, for the Christian to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And from what I understand about the Bible, for those who do not know Jesus Christ, to be absent from the body will be the beginning of their eternity, separated from God in a place called hell. Would you constantly remind us of this? Would you keep on our hearts and our minds individuals that need Christ? This church thing that we do, it's not just to make us feel better. It's not just to, you know, for something to do to keep us busy. It's a command that you've given that we would be part of a fellowship of people. We get together. We're able to corporately worship and sing back to you because of what you've done. We're able to learn from your word. We can never exhaust it. And it helps us to go through this dark and weary world. We praise you for that. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. As the piano plays through, I want to give you a chance to pray. A couple things I want to ask you to pray specifically about. One of them is if you have the name of a person that you're not sure if they're saved, I want to invite you to pray for them, even right now. Pray that God would open a door of opportunity. And that you would be brave. You would not lose that burden that you have right now for them. Someone that needs salvation. And then if you're here today and you have never asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, you've never gone through this narrow gate, the Bible encourages us. Today can be the day of your salvation, but I cannot do it for you. Your best friend, your parents cannot do it for you. Every person, like going through that turnstile by themselves, has to choose to go through the narrow gate that leads to eternal life. You can pray right now and ask God to forgive you of your sins and make you his child. Amen. Amen. I want to ask you to stand with me. We're going to close.